I feel that it is terribly important that we as human beings understand the workings of fear in our hearts and mind. For it is fear more perhaps than any other factor of mind that interrupts the blossoming, our blossoming into our fullest potential, our fullest loveliness. It's so often fear that stops us dead in our tracks. And unquestionably, within the grip of fear, the fruition of our deepest yearnings, both for ourselves and our worlds, can be stultified in an instant. And in our willingness to populate the landscapes of fear, we bless ourselves with the possibility of opening for that peace that passeth all understanding and moving once and for all beyond the grip of fear forever. It is our birthright, I feel, as human beings to live a life undefined by the constriction, the suffocation, the manifold limitations of fear. We who thirst for love and yearn for peace and fullness within and not removed from the heart of life. We who know and sense that true, real, and uncontrived meaning in human life cannot ever be foundationed in separation, in suspicion, in disconnection from one another. We whose hearts are deeply exhausted with the myriad ways in which we appear removed from a capacity of heart to love without condition, appear removed from a capacity to love without impediment, without limitation whatsoever, we all are called, challenged if you will, to embark on the great journey right into the center of the heart of fear, to then release the love and understanding and peace that we all yearn for, that we all pray for. The Buddha and Jesus, the great women and men of history, our beloved ancestors, who have already traveled the fearless road, they all remind us that our endeavor to once and for all set aside the shackles of fear is a possibility for each of us. It has been done before many, many times. it is the most courageous, perhaps vital juncture in the life of any woman or man when she or he disdains the manifold distractions, denials, avoidances, and superficialities of life, and instead directions his or her footfalls directly towards the heart, the essence, the truth of human life.
We have seats right here in the front if you would like them. Welcome. Come on in. endeavor in this resolve to journey to the heart of fear, in this darkest of nights, there will and there must be corridors of fear through which we are called to journey if we are to realize our deepest potential. And it is here in this fire that we ripen, that we flower and eventually blossom into our greatest and fullest loveliness. This is the potential for all of us without exception. Personally, for me, nothing less than a life of, than a life ungoverned, unmediated and undefined by fear will do. Deep down I sense I think I can even say that I know, and I believe I can speak collectively. We sense, we know, that a fearless life, moment to moment, is and must be possible for all of us. That is why we're here today. That, I believe, is what brings us together. And so here we are. We are joined with those who have gone before us. We, together, hand in hand with each other, hand in hand with our ancestors, move today into succulent territory together, acknowledging what is true, disdaining the forces of avoidance and distraction, and setting our compasses unwaveringly upon a life of fearless love way beyond our wildest imaginings. How lovely. How important that we be here together today, and how perfect it is. May this day be one of mischief. May it be a day of delight together, of candor, and of great understanding for all of us. Now, I know that I could really knock your socks off if I let you know the accumulation of stuff, it's all hiding under the pillow here. <laughs> all the information that's come over the last week on fear and, and stuff. There is so much, and I trust that it's going to come forward today in a way that is perfect. Um, but what is true in, in, in everything is the distillation, the, the foundation of working with fear has to do essentially, I think, with two very important things. One is our relationship with the, with the arising of the energy of fear. And the other is, is 
having a place, a feeling of refuge, of calm, from which to negotiate the pathways of fear. And so essentially, that is, I feel, our function today, to look at a refuge for fear and to, to, um, to develop that sense of groundedness and calm, the landscape from which, in my experience, uh, fear becomes much more workable. The practice of insight meditation that I have practiced for, for 20 years is the, is the practice of um, Burma and Thailand. It comes out of the Theravadan tradition of Sri Lanka and Thailand and Burma. And I'd like to begin today with um, a guided meditation on groundedness. You know, so often, particularly in the early years of my practice, I used to hear about people having out-of-body experiences and always aspired to, to having an out-of-body experience. But over the years, I've come to realize that really the, 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 the miracle, the far more profound thing is to have an in-the-body experience. And so um, this might be uh, uh, considered an, an in-the-body meditation. Coming together uh, this morning, an opportunity for us to join one another here, creating the ground from which we begin our exploration. After this meditation, I will introduce walking meditation instructions, and then there will be a period of walking meditation following which there will be the first uh, talk and discussion of the day, which will focus uh, directly on fear. So I'd like to invite you to take a sitting posture that will be as comfortable as, as possible <coughs> for the next while. We will be sitting for about half an hour. minutes of this meditation, just being aware of the sitting posture. Allowing yourself to arrive as fully as possible here this morning together. helpful to keep the posture as perpendicular, as erect, as is comfortable for you. <coughs> Some people find it helpful to imagine the back of the head being lifted up to the sky and the, sp the spine elongated, erect, soft.
be aware of the feeling of pressure in the buttocks, the hands resting on the legs, just arriving here now, moment to moment. thoughts will arise, just allow them to appear and disappear. Acknowledge that thinking has occurred. Just return to the experience of sensations in the body. Sitting here together. invite you to allow the awareness to move to the crown of the head, to the top of the head. Just let the attention rest there and be aware of any sensations or the lack of sensations that there are on the top of the head. Just resting the awareness. No agenda, no expectation, just being present to whatever sensations or lack of sensations there are. down to the forehead, allowing the awareness <coughs> to be in the area of the forehead. Just resting there. Without forcing, without judging, without adding words, just experiencing life manifesting now in this part of the body. And if there are no sensations, that's fine too. Just being with the truth, moment to moment.
of us carrying so much tension in the forehead. Just relaxing, being present. Coming home to the body here together now. dropping to the temples, either side of the eyes. Mindfulness of the body in the body. wanders, that's fine. Just return to the changing sensations. This willingness to begin again and again and again is the heart of the meditation practice. And now the eyes. Just be with the experience, the physical sensations in the eye area. For some it might be the very first time of coming home to life manifesting around and within the eyes. Without words, without ideas, without judging or changing, just allowing life to manifest moment to moment within the body. down a little further to the cheeks. Resting here. No agenda. And then the nose, 
the upper lip area. Coming home to the body, in the body, life manifesting. Sometimes there may be sensations. There might be heat or tingling, throbbing, tickling, cold, or there may be no sensations. Cultivating a mind that is willing to be present with whatever is arising. bringing the same careful, balanced attention to the lower lip and the chin area. jaw, place where so many of us hold tension, just bringing a gentle, careful, unjudging awareness to the jaw area, below the ears, just allowing life to manifest moment to moment. Just empty phenomena rolling on. And now the back of the head, just opening the awareness to include any sensation or lack of sensation in the back of the head and the ears, to the top of the neck, sense of resting in awareness and just a knowing of sensations arising. No words, no thoughts, no agenda, just resting in the body here together. And then dropping down into the neck. of the body in the body.
is it possible to just be present with what is arising or with the lack of sensation without panic, without judging? There's no way this should happen. It's being content with whatever arises moment to moment. Moving now to the upper shoulders, including the upper shoulders in the awareness. Certainly an area of a lot of holding and tightness, constriction, fear. Just resting here now together. to the shoulder joint at the top of each arm, just being present. Resting, life manifesting moment to moment. If the attention is called away, just know what has happened and return without recrimination or frustration. Just this willingness to begin again and again is the heart of the meditation practice. And slipping down into the upper arm. including the elbows in the awareness. You may want to move to the right and then over to the left elbow. Allow whatever the sensation, heat, tingling, 
cold tightness of mind to change, to push away, to hold on, and then if possible just returning to a balanced, unmediated attention, presence, with life manifesting in the body, here, now, together, dropping down into the lower arm all the way down to the wrist. Another area of tightness, holding. thoughts will arise, of course the mind will wander, just coming back to the body is the meditation practice, and then opening to the hands, right to the tips of the fingers, this miracle that we share. Just energy, life, moment to moment. moment have a sense of, of the life of the head through the shoulders right down to the fingertips, open, manifesting, okay, now. And now moving to the back, dropping down from the shoulders your own time, just vertebra by vertebrae, if that feels appropriate, being with the sensations or the lack of sensations, moving down the back. allowing any 
experience of heat or tightness, tension, just to be. Sitting without agenda, without expectation or judgment, letting the, word, the words fall away. Just life. down to the buttocks, <coughs> the miracle of the human body. to the front, bringing awareness, mindfulness to the chest area of the body. There may be an awareness of movement in the chest. as ready, allowing the awareness just to slowly move down through the abdominal area. Any feelings, any tightness, just energy manifesting moment to moment, the miracle of life unfolding in the body. sinking into the groin area. For some of us so charged, just allowing life, the truth to manifest right now here together in the groin area, the genital area. If thoughts arise, that's fine. Acknowledge the thinking, returning to the sensations or the lack of sensations. <coughs> there are no rights and no wrongs here.
including the hip area, pelvis, the sacrum. Here too, just bringing an unjudging awareness to the changing sensations. down into the upper thigh, mindfulness of the body in the body, the heart of the Buddha's teaching. life manifesting moment to moment. And slipping down into the knees, including the knees in the awareness. as free of, as possible of words and concepts and thoughts, free of history and agenda, being naked, fresh, vulnerable, alive and innocent in each moment. down into the calves, resting with awareness, with life manifesting moment to moment in the calves and down to yet another miracle of the human body, the ankle, just coming home to the ankles. Blessing the ankles with 
awareness. Life manifesting. Dropping into the rest of the foot, the heel, the ball of the foot, the arch, the toes. Just sensations just life, empty phenomena rolling on. you to open the awareness to include the entire body, just resting in awareness, just experiencing the life of the body in the body. No agenda. to the truth, beyond words, beyond names or judgments or thoughts, ideas. coming now to the breathing, just bringing that same careful, open, alive presence to the changing sensations of the breathing. Bringing mindfulness, awareness to the changing sensations of the breath as it enters, as it leaves the body. observation of the breathing, discern where it is you experience the breath most distinctly. It could be the tip of the nose, it could be the chest area or the rising and falling of the abdomen. 
wherever it is that you experience the breath most clearly, just rest there in the remaining minutes of this meditation. Without changing the breath, without manipulating, without adding words, being present, alive, total, moment to moment, here now together. Always remembering that the willingness to begin again and again and again is the essence, is the heart of the meditation practice. mindfulness of the body, in the body. The heart of the Buddha's teaching, being awake, alive, now. Just be aware of the inner climate, the heart, the mind, any feelings that there might be. Explore the possibility of bringing that same quality of awareness. Just do whatever is manifesting that perhaps is a feeling of calm, a little anxiety or fear maybe. There might be feeling of peace and love or boredom, just here too, bringing an unjudging presence. to life manifesting in the heart, in the mind, in the body.
may we be happy just the way we are. May we be peaceful with what is occurring, with what is arising in our bodies, in our hearts, and in our minds. And may we love ourselves completely. Now, Hi there. Wait. <laughs> in a dusty town in a village called Konya in uh, present-day Turkey, Rumi lived in the 13th century. Kanya at that time was on the western edge of the Silk Road and it was the meeting point and intersection, a sort of a melting pot of Buddhists and Christians and uh, Hindus, um, Muslims. At the time it was very much a bustling town and it was in the marketplace in, uh, in, in Kanya, the two very important events happened in the life of, of Rumi. Rumi was a great scholar. He was a doctor of theology. He had a divinity school and many, many students. He was clearly an extraordinary man. He had a great love of beauty, uh, uh, of the good. He was an artist and um, uh, he loved everything that was beautiful. One day he was uh, in that part of the marketplace where all the goldsmiths were and uh, he was hearing the sound of all these people working on the gold and he was so present and so total, kind of the way we were a few minutes ago, so, so total with the sound that all of a sudden in the knocking on the gold he suddenly heard the name of Allah Allah, and he became so ecstatic and he was so riveted and so engrossed and so total in the experience of Allah as he was hearing it throughout this marketplace that he jumped off his donkey and just began spinning and spinning and turning and turning in ecstasy and delight. And that was the beginning of the Sufi tradition of the dervishes. It happened in the marketplace in Konya in the 13th century. For me, one of the great joys, one of the many great joys and blessings of living in Hawaii, as I've done now for just over a year, is that 
for some reason, this has also been a time of journeying into the work of Rumi and in just celebrating this extraordinary man. He was, uh, so I will be bringing some Rumi to, to our time together today. It was in the same marketplace that Rumi was on his donkey one day with some students when he came face to face with Shams, his, his teacher, who, a man who was to be his teacher from Tabriz, uh, a little town in Iran that I have visited. I lived in Iran. And Shams grew up and spent a lot of time in Tabriz, but wandered all over Anatolia, including Kanya. And they came face to face with one another. And in that connection, in that moment, it, it was said that Rumi was totally confronted in the eyes of Shams, or with the eyes of Shams, with the mystery of life. And it said that a doorway to eternity flickered open for him in that moment of connection. And in one pure, outrageous act of faith, Rumi dove through. In an instant of mystical annihilation, fire met fire, ocean, ocean, and Rumi fell into pure being. And later, when he could put words to his experience of connecting with Shams, his teacher, he said, what I once thought of God, I met today as a human being. And for the remaining years of their life together, Rumi and Shams uh, went off into solitude, into silence together, into aloneness, and after the death of, of Shams, with his final illumination, Rumi began singing spontaneous poetry of such beauty and such profoundity and such perfection that he's become, as you know, beloved all over the world for the inspiration and the sense of path that he brings to, to, to the world. And Rumi, this particular poem, I feel personally embraces uh, the essence of working with fear. He says, keep walking, though there's no place to get to. Don't try to see through the distances. That's not for human beings. Move within, but don't move the way fear makes you move. Today, like every other day, we wake up empty and frightened. Don't open the door to the study and begin reading. Take down a musical instrument. Let the beauty we love be what we do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. Move within, but don't move the way fear makes you move. The walking meditation, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the practice, 
is sometimes, and I think in error, considered to be just something that we do in between the more important meditation, which is sitting. We obviously can't sit all day on our backside, so we need something to do in between, and so we fill it in with walking meditation. And I thought that that way for, for many years of my practice, but over, over the recent years, I've come to realize that in some ways, it's as important, if not more important, than the sitting meditation practice. So I invite you to experiment with using these walking periods as wholeheartedly uh, as um, the sitting times. And the walking meditation is really very simple. It's an extension of that presence that I spoke of in the meditation instructions, that awareness, the mindfulness. We continue the cultivation of that facility of mind to be present, to be simply awake, to be unjudging, to be total with the walking. And so in a few minutes, I'll invite you to leave the room and to wander outside if that feels comfortable. You're very welcome to use the hall, although it's pretty full. So there's not much space here. But to find a stretch of ground outside. And then in your arising, just be total. Be present. Allow the words to fall away. Be innocent and just with the experience of the sensations of arising, of turning, of moving out. You may experience some frustration with all the different people here trying to go downstairs. Be total with that. Just be present with, with everything that arises. The vision of meditation is to, for me, is to be total and passionate with whatever is there. In that willingness, I feel we birth the possibility of the greatest freedom. And so finding a place in this mindful journey to wherever it is you're going to walk, and then just stopping, feel the earth beneath your feet. As Rumi says, there are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. Just feel the ground beneath the feet. Be aware of the sensation. And then take maybe 5, 10, 15, or 20 steps. Stop. Feel again the feet. Turning, you may feel the wind on your cheeks. Be aware of the sound of, of a bird. And then returning. Now there are different ways to actually do it. You could walk very, very slowly. So for yours the back you can actually you you could just stepping, lifting, you can be aware of all the sensations of lifting the foot and then moving and then placing and just being aware of the sensations of of the placing and then lifting again, moving, placing. The alternative is you could shift the awareness from the soles of your feet to the whole leg and just be aware of the sensations of clothing, perhaps, on your leg. The important thing is really not where you, you put attention. The important thing is that there is attention, that we be as present, passionate, total as possible in our mindfulness. The Buddha said, he said, you know, if you could be fully mindful for seven days, you'd be completely and totally enlightened as I am. And then he said, no, forget seven days. He said, seven hours. He said, if you could be total and fully awake for seven hours, 
mindful in the body, of the body, you'd be fully awake. And then he said, no, he said, not seven hours, he said, seven minutes. He said, if you just for seven minutes can be undistracted and total with the truth of life manifesting moment to moment, you would be a Buddha. And then, of course, he said, seven seconds. <laughs> seven seconds. He said, total. He said, there'll be nothing. There won't be any obscuration. That is the possibility. That, to me, is so inspiring. That it's not about lifetimes, and it's not about long retreats. It's just about here, now. And we have each other to remind us of what's important. In the walking meditation, if a lot of feelings come up, if feelings of joy and gratitude, you may want to stop and just be total in the experience of gratitude. You know, it's not that, that one thing is better than the other. The vision of meditation is that we open to all of life without impediment or distinction. As long as we're aware and not caught up in thoughts and comments and judgments and just the proliferation of thinking that so often accompanies life. So, in um, would somebody, who is going to be our first bell ringer today? Would somebody volunteer to be our first bell ringer, please? Thank you very much. Do you know where the bell is? No. Okay, Paul, Paul will tell you. And if you could hit it pretty loud, because I think with, with all of us here, some of us might be a little far away. Um, there's no rush. You know, today is a day um, you know, that hopefully is going to unfold in a very gentle and sweet way. So when you hear the bell, there's no need to rush. Rather give a continuity of attention to the walk back and to the coming together. Let's say there'll be about five minutes from the sound of the bell to when we'll congregate again and uh, continue the discussion um, around fear. Now, I am notorious for, for, for getting pivotal instructions around the walking meditation. So for those of you who've done it before, what have I forgotten today? Nothing? The willingness to begin again and again and again is the heart of the practice, the sitting practice, the walking practice. Even if we last for 99% of the time, just coming back again and again is such a powerful recalibration of the heart and mind. Each time we come back, we are affirming what is most important. On days of great distraction, it feels to me that in the willingness to come back, it's like I am affirming what is most important, even in this confusion, in, in, even in this proliferation. I'm affirming that I will do my very best to be as present as possible. Nothing else makes sense to me. Thank you.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.